good morning. Welcome to Creekside Church. I'm going to share a few announcements. So first, I have a kind of this uh, thing that I was really curious about today, and I thought, oh, I'll do a quick poll to find out. Raise your hand if your favorite season is fall. How many people here? All right, I think that's, that's a pretty popular choice when you live in Iowa. I love fall, too. That's definitely my favorite. Uh, football is coming. It's starting soon. Another exciting thing that happens here at Creekside in the fall is small groups. And so I just wanted to share a couple quick things with you guys about small groups. The most important thing is that sign-ups start today, okay? Sign-ups start today. We'll have the table out front for the next few weeks. The groups will actually begin three weeks from today. The second is just to share very quickly, you know, why small groups at Creekside. Now, if, you, if you're brand new here, the way we typically do it is the groups will start in the fall and run sometime into the spring. And uh, there's some variety. Some groups meet on Sunday nights. We have a couple groups meeting on Thursday nights. But a common theme among all the groups is that these are really, there's two, two big purposes. And if you remember that Creekside Church starts with two C's, you can remember these two purposes. The first is to connect. We really want to, these groups to be a place where People can build relationships. And you know, when you come into a, a church, if you're new, or sometimes if you've been in a church for a long time, uh, you know, one of the biggest needs is to build relationships. We need to have people that we can share our lives with, that we can pray with, that we can, can share what's going on, uh, and just build friendships. And so, you know, it, it can be a little intimidating when you don't know anyone, but I would just say, man, just take that jump, take that, that plunge, Sign up for a group, and I, I can guarantee you that you're going to be uh, excited and happy that you did that. The second big thing in our groups, the second C, is change. You know, these groups are an opportunity to, to read God's Word together, to kind of dive more in depth into a particular topic. To start the year, all the groups are kind of going on this theme of family, and it's going to kind of correspond to the Sunday morning series, we're going to be starting a series on September 13th called Family Ties. So that's going to go for four weeks. The groups are going to mirror that. And then the groups are going to kind of diverge into a variety of topics. So all that information is out there on the table. I'll be happy to answer any questions you have. My name is Alan. I'll be out there at the table out front. Stop by after the service. We'd love to get you guys uh, signed up for a small group. Two more things that Nick told me. One is that if you are a visitor, make sure you stop by the visitor table out there. Pick up a mug if you haven't got one and, and find out a little bit more about Creekside. I'm going to pray. Uh, we're going to pass the offering around during this next song, so let's bow our heads. God, everything we have is yours. Everything that we have comes from you. Uh, so Father, we thank you for the the blessings of this life, for the blessings of community, for the blessings of family. And, and now as we just try to give back to you, may you take our offering, may you multiply it for your kingdom, for your purposes. We love you, Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. I was thinking this morning, uh, before we got started, I should get rid of a distraction that may be here for over the last few months. So if you guys were privileged to be able to be here, I don't know what day it was. It was a Sunday morning. Some claim that I passed out. 
It's not true. I, I got so excited in praising God that I got tired and had to rest for a little bit on the stage. So I decided to lay down. For some reason, people don't stop reminding me of that. Uh, to that point, now, whenever I sit when I'm singing or stop singing or like a couple weeks ago, step off the stage to go to the bathroom, I get out of the bathroom and there's four people waiting for me. Um, so I just want to tell you guys, I've been feeling a little under the weather the last couple of days. Last night I had a little episode, but I feel like I'm not going to go. But I'm going to try to sit and talk. Michael, you can have the morning off. You don't need to be worried. Mary, I'm worried that if I like start to lean a certain direction, Michael, Mary, Simon, they'll all be right here. So, I mean, we have a really caring church with people that are equipped to be able to take care of us. So if you're going to pass out or have a problem, this is the church to do it in. I'm not going to have that problem this morning. So, so everybody can get rid of that distraction. Uh, I'm good. I'm going to try to sit and, and speak this morning. That's, I'm not good at that. So the Holy Spirit may take over, and uh, I'll probably be standing pretty soon, actually. So we're going to continue on, but I wanted to pray for us this morning uh, as we go through Genesis this morning. Father God, just thank you so much for a beautiful day, Lord, as we're getting ready to start school again and uh, the year's changing and schedules are changing, Father. I, I pray that our devotion to you is only getting better uh, and that our heart for you, Lord, is growing and that what we want to be here for is you, um, not just because this is what we do, because it's Sunday morning and this is where we go on Sunday morning, Lord, but because we want to be challenged to the point of, of being overwhelmed to serve and love and worship you who have done everything for us, Lord. And so I pray this morning that uh, we're able to be challenged out of your word and that we would be challenged to the point of even more change and growth and feel even closer to you. And we just thank you so much for, for salvation in your name. Amen. So, we're continuing on in Genesis. Uh, Pretty soon, in my chapter, chapter 17, Abram's about to become Abraham. So just for simplicity, can I just start calling him Abraham as I talk back about some of these things? We're just going to, it's Abraham. Abram is now becoming Abraham. We're going to talk, talk about him as he's Abraham. But we've been talking about Abraham for a long time, these last few weeks. In fact, this, this morning, um, I listened over the last two messages, Nick and Kyle, as I was trying to prepare and be ready. Didn't want to miss anything that they'd talked about. Do you know, on our, if, you, if you have the podcast app and you subscribe to Creekside, you can listen back over the messages and you can actually listen to them faster than they normally would. So you can make the speed faster. So you don't really, I mean, if you like the messages, you don't necessarily have to come to church on Sunday morning. You just stay home and listen to a lot faster and be done like that. Uh, Kyle sounds pretty funny when you speed him up. No offense, but you should listen to yourself really fast. Um, but as I was looking up over these, these last few weeks, we're, we're seeing the story of Abraham. And we know, you know, if a lot of us are asked what's one word to describe Abraham or one thing that comes to mind, it would be uh, faith. Abraham and faith. Uh, and God has looked at Abraham as this man of faith. For some reason, he, he, he had in mind to make this covenant with him that he keeps bringing up. And it started in chapter 12. And I wanted to read that before we got going. You guys don't turn there. 
It's just Genesis chapter 12 at the very beginning. He says, The Lord has said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all people on earth will be blessed through you. So this is the start. This is, the, this is where God kind of comes to Abram and says, I want you to take off. I want you to take your family, leave your relatives, leave your country, and take off. And I'm going to start this covenant uh, between you and me here that would actually spread to, as he says, the earth. will be blessed through this covenant to, to Abram, to Abraham. And that's where the story kind of starts. And I was thinking about the story of Abraham. If Hollywood wants a good script for directors to jump all over, I, look at the life of Abraham. I'm surprised, actually, that this is not one as Hollywood's been trying to turn Noah and Moses into to these, these stories that are, if you saw the movie Noah, I heard it was awful. But if they wanted to grab a script, how is Abraham and his story? If you, you look at what's taken place, God calls to him, says, take off, leave family, relatives. And in that first chapter, right away, as Nick talked about, he, he's coming into Egypt and he's concerned about how Pharaoh would perceive his beautiful wife and the only way that he could take Sarai to be his wife is to kill off Abram. You know, it was so serious back in the day that, that they really looked at marriage as something sacred and holy and so Pharaoh would have Abraham killed so he could take his wife. Uh, so that's how serious they took marriage. Um, and so Abram, Abraham looks at Sarai, Sarah, and says... Yeah, you know, I want you to pretend like you're my sister. So when we go into here, I'm not harmed. Nobody, nobody wants to try to kill me. Nobody, so, so they go in, and Pharaoh, sure enough, she's beautiful. He hears about her. He wants to take her as his wife. That's Abram's sister. And so this takes place where Abraham, this man of faith, that, that God called, leave your country, leave your people, and he does it. I mean, he leaves. He takes off. But at the same time, you know, you think he'd put two and two together. God has asked you to go do this. He's told you he's going to make a great nation out of you. There's going to be this covenant established. Abraham, in faith, leaves. But then at the same time, this doubt creeps in. Well, I could be killed. Well, why does God want this great thing out of you? Why has he promised to make you a great nation? And all of a sudden, you're going to go run into Pharaoh. And Pharaoh is going to be like, take you out. But at the same time, this doubt creeps in. And he says, all right, act like my sister. And then sure enough, Pharaoh takes him to be his wife. Then he finds out, wait a second, this is his wife. Why did you do this to me? And that starts a little bit of, of Abraham's doubt that he would actually be able to survive that. Then you continue on. He, uh, he has to go rescue Lot, his nephew. And, and so he wavers in that process. All the way up to, you know, he started this journey at the young age of, I think he was around 75 years old. For them back then, I guess that was, that was young. Um, and so they take off on this journey going through Egypt. And now we get to the point last week where Nick was talking about they still haven't had a child. And God had said he's going to establish this great nation through him, through his descendants. Well, the reality is Abraham should realize that God keeps promising that he's going to grow his his nation. He's going to be this father of this nation. There's going to be this covenant made. And at the same time, Abram's sitting there, I don't have a kid. And God continues to tell him these promises. And uh, 
And so Nick talked about last week that Sarah comes to Abraham and says, all right, we don't have a child. I want us to have a child. So I want you to take Hagar, my, my servant, as your wife, have relationship with her, and have a baby. And the funny thing is, you know, there's not a lot of go back and forth. In the Bible, I don't know if there's, they just want to leave out some of the dialogue. We don't know if he, if he really thought long and hard about this. I think this is the second scenario. And I was actually speaking, I think, a few weeks ago. No, this is a few months ago on um, Adam and Eve and how Eve came to Adam and said, take of the fruit. And Adam said, okay. And he did it. This is the second scenario early in Genesis, early in the Bible, where a woman comes. And this is it's probably a poor reflection on woman and man. Woman comes and says, here's this great idea. Eat of the fruit. Guy's like, okay. Boom. And so the second scenario, hey, we can't have a kid. Take my servant, marry her, have a kid through her. Abraham's like, okay. Okay, so bad ideas coming from the woman. You guys have great ideas. So. But then stupid guy's like, okay, all right, I'm going to do that. And he doesn't wrestle with this. We don't see this wrestle that, okay, God has promised to do this. Should I follow his plans, as Nick talked about, or should I, I waver here and jump to my own? Should I be doubting here? And so as soon as Sarah says, all right, do this, okay, I'm going to do it. And then what happens? Then immediately Sarah turns on Abraham, and now there's all this dissension, and, and Abraham realizes, oh, yeah, I probably shouldn't have done that. Um, so there's this, this story leading up to this chapter that we're going to be talking about today where Abraham, this man of faith, God saw something in him. He saw something in Abraham that stood out. And he said, I'm going to establish this covenant with Abraham. I'm going to set up this covenant that would, would establish this Jewish nation that would eventually lead to who? Jesus Christ. That's where this is going to lead to. If you look at Matthew chapter 1, the genealogy of Jesus Christ starts with Abraham. And so he's going to establish this covenant where he's going to make him this great nation of this Jewish people. And Abraham's going to start this all. And he promises to do this. And here's Abraham, great faith, believes in God, believes in what he's all about, and wavering all the time as he goes. Which leads us to chapter 17, and you can turn there. I'd like you to read along with me if you have your Bibles iPads, cell phones. Now, this is called the covenant of circumcision. I know this is one of those Sunday mornings where our elders sit back and they're like, wait a second, Tim O'Beeran's speaking on circumcision? How did we work that out? I don't think that, that's what we wanted. So I'm sorry, elders. I've got it. I've got it under control. I'm not going not gonna to offend anyone this morning. So you guys can also relax a little bit. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you, and I will greatly increase your numbers. Now, again, he talked about the covenant in chapter 12 and again in chapter 15. So he's been bringing this covenant up, and now he's going to put it into play in chapter 17. Abram fell face down, and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make you, I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come. To be your God and the God of your descendants after you. 
the whole land of Canaan, where you are now an alien, I will give an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Then God said to Abraham, as for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants, after you for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you. The covenant you are to keep, every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or bought with money from a foreigner. Those who are not your offspring, whether born in your household or bought with, bought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. God also said to Abraham, As for Sarah, your wife, you're no longer to call her Sarah. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her, and I will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. King of people, uh, kings of people will come from her. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Then God said, Yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of 12 rulers, and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. When he had finished speaking with Abraham, God went up from him. On that very day, Abraham took his son Ishmael and all those born in his household or bought with his money, every male in his household, and circumcised them as God told him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised, and his son Ishmael was 13. Abraham and his son Ishmael were both circumcised on that same day, and every male in Abraham's household, including those born in his household, or bought from a foreigner, was circumcised with him. So what you have taken place is, is this covenant that God's been talking about. And uh, the, the first thing I wanted to point out, is, I think this is 13 years after Ishmael was, was born. So you're talking 13 years later. So this happens, he still feels like this was his only way to have a son, but he realized this was a mistake, as Nick talked about. But... God's still going to be able to bless them. He's going to bless Ishmael. And so now 13 years later, God's coming before Abraham. I, I couldn't do it for very long. Um, God's coming before Abraham and he's telling him, all right, this, we're going to establish this covenant. Abraham falls face down. And, and I believe this is out of humility, out of respect for God. And Abraham, in, in all this wavering, God's, God's speaking to him and he falls face down. And God's telling Abraham, all right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to make you a great nation. All these promises that he's been talking about are going to start coming into fruition. At the same time, Abraham doesn't know how or, or, or when or what is really going to take place. And so... The big thing that happens here is God says, we're going to establish this covenant. And as a sign of this covenant, I'm asking you to do this. Be circumcised. And so you're sitting there and he's a 99-year-old man. Never been circumcised. And God says, and if, I'm sorry, if you're in this room, you don't know what circumcision is. You got a smartphone, Google it. 
I'm not going to explain that this morning. So if you're one of the few people that don't know, Google circumcision. And you can gain knowledge on that matter uh, yourself. But God has asked him to be circumcised and to circumcise everybody in his house. So if I'm Abraham, 99 years old, I've been waiting all this time to have a child. God's been promising to make this covenant. And he's saying, as a sign of this covenant, I want you to do this for me. I can't imagine what Abraham was thinking when God says, all right, this is, this is like Bible time. So we're not talking any painkillers, sedatives. Uh, you're not going to get a shot. Nothing's going to be numb. And the, the equipment they're working with is not the equipment we'd be working with today. So what we're asking of Abraham as a 99-year-old is to bring yourself a whole lot of pain of something he doesn't necessarily know how to do here. To, to, to mark this sign of this covenant that God is making between Abraham and his descendants. And I would think of all the times that he ever wavered to make the right decision. Hey, pick up your family, leave, go to this new country that you have no idea where it is, what, what's going on here. Leave your relatives. Okay, takes off, right? And so then he, he gets asked to do this. Hey, take knife to yourself. Cause yourself all this pain to mark this covenant between God and your descendants. And what does it say? That he did it that very day. And can you imagine the conversations that he has with, I mean, we're talking about when it says go circumcise all the people in your, I mean, we're talking, you think there's just a handful of people, maybe 200, 300 people. I don't know. There's a ton of people that are with him there. And he has to have this conversation. Hey, by the way, you know, God wants to establish this covenant with me and, and our descendants here. And to be able to do that, he wants to have a sign. And that sign is circumcision. Let me explain that to you guys. This is what we're going to do today. And you would think these people that he's around are going to overthrow him. Because if it's today and, I, and I'm asked to do this, I am truly questioning God on what he's asking me to do. Out of my weakness and my doubt and my lack of faith. But Abraham, this man of faith, says, okay, this is what God's asking. This is the sign that needs to be established. We need to do this today. He's going to take his son Ishmael, this 13-year-old, poor guy, and all the rest of these folks. Anybody's even bought. And circumcision is going to happen that day because that's what God asked of him. So that started me thinking on what is it in our lives that God could be asking us to do, that we would never, I mean, Abraham's not sitting there thinking, all right, I know this covenant God's been talking about. I wonder what he's going to use as a sign to like, to seal this deal. He's not sitting there thinking, okay, he's going to ask us to be circumcised. There's no way. And so in our lives, what has God, what is God, what could God in the future be asking us to do that is so off the wall, out of our spectrum of thinking, that we would think, are you crazy? Is this really what you want me to do? I, thank God it's not going to be circumcision. But it could be something that's even harder than that. Something that is a procedure that's over after a bit, a bit of healing. But something, that's, that's, something that could last a lot longer. I mean, I think of Nick and Heather these last few weeks. 
sitting there and all of a sudden this thought coming from God. Because this didn't come from them. All right, you know you love this house there in Ankeny. This, these relationships you've established there in Ankeny. This Bible study that you have. Yeah, you know what? I want you to uproot your family and move closer to where the church is. And then see how I bless you. And then they sit there, maybe a little bit like Abraham. Wait a second, what? Because we've spent time establishing these relationships here. We really love our house. We really love where we are. And so God's asking us something that will bring pain. That will take wrestling. That will take wavering. That will take questioning our own faith in God as far as what he wants us to do. And, and I've been so encouraged to see that that's what, and, and for you guys to be able to sit here and see a pastor of a church say, you know what, me and my wife, we love the Lord, we listen to him, and we want to go exactly where he wants to take us. And it doesn't come without hard times and, and struggles and, and affecting other people, but what could come out of this is what God promised Abraham, blessings are going to come. Growth is going to happen. Now, I was thinking of Norb. How many years ago was this when, uh, when Norb came up and said, you know, God has asked me to quit my job and start my own business. And I feel like this is going to help my relationships and I'm going to be able to better serve him. He's asked me to do this. I'm going to jump out in faith and I'm going to do this. And it didn't come without cost. I was talking to my dad this week. And he was telling me a story. And I actually probably have to read this because it's unbelievable. So my dad lives in a town of about, you know, 4,000, 5,000 people. Small little town in, in Kansas. Close to where I grew up. And they were approached by, and I don't remember the name. You guys have probably heard of these people. But uh, Impact World Tour. So this small little town is reached out to by Impact World Tour. So they bring in, what they try to do is set up these big events where they bring in like these bodybuilders and these uh, bike riders and doing all these tricks and things so they can, for the purpose of sharing the gospel. But what they ask them to do is, is to, to bring 200 volunteers in, town of four or 5,000 people, 200 volunteers and raise $50,000. And my dad said, we were approached by this at a couple other pastors and we said, no way. No way can we do this. They tried it in Topeka, which is the capital of Kansas. They couldn't get it done amongst all the churches and the people there. They couldn't get it done there. So now they're approaching this little town of 5,000, 20 miles north of Topeka. We want you to do this. And they're saying, no way. But you know what? We'll pray about it. We'll pray. And so these pastors get together and they pray. And there's this answer from God that says to all of them, I want you to do this. So they're sitting, we have six months to come up with 200 volunteers and $50,000 and get this all pulled together. You know, I felt like I was stressing out when we were trying to put together the I Am They concert. It was, you know, didn't seem easy to me. But compared to six months to put together 200 volunteers and $50,000 and bring this all together, find the venue in this small little town. So my dad says we did this, and we said we were going to do it, and there were hoops to jump through, and we kept faithful, and we prayed through it, and this was the result. He said, over 3,000 people attended the event in our community of 5,000. 746 people made decisions for Christ. God is still using this event that took place in April to change our community. So you think of that. The small little community bring in this 
this big thing that usually is in big cities, turn this around, pull this together, and they stop and they pray, and they feel like there's no way this is something God would be asking us to do. And the result of them listening to God and stepping out in faith and actually following through with this is now 700 and something people have eternity laid up for them in heaven. How awesome is that? And so I think about us. What could, we be in, what could God be asking us to do? Could it be leave for the mission field? Could it be leave our families? Take off? Could it be sell our house? You know, it could be something so simple as starting a Bible study in my school. If you're a high school student, a college student, and God's saying, hey, you know what, you could be looked at as different, and, but I think you should start this Bible study here. Recruit some other people. And you'd be like, that's crazy. It could be conversations that God wants you to have inside of your workplace with other family members, whatever it is, God could be calling you to do something that you could sit back like Abraham and think, this, how is this what you want from my life? How is this what you want me to do? And Abraham took this and he stepped out in faith and he said, I'm, gonna, I'm going to do this because my God asked me to do this. And so my first challenge to you all this morning is, be proactive in praying out to God about what he might be asking you to do. It could be very simple and it could be very big. I mean, who knows? You never know. We, because you start pay, praying that prayer today, next year somebody's not in this congregation because of this prayer. Because they may be somewhere else where God asked them to go. They may be doing something else that God asked them to do. You know, people's lives are changed when we listen to God. If Abraham, when, when, when God came to Abraham in chapter 12 and he said, leave your family, your relatives, leave your country and go. If he had not done that, the course of history, our history, is not changed. If Abraham is not faithful to listen to God and say, okay, I'm leaving, I'm doing this. And then this great nation is established through this covenant. And eventually Jesus Christ is born to us as man on earth and leads to all of our salvation. People's lives are changed when we listen to what God asks us to do. No matter how crazy, no matter how out of, out of the norm it would seem. And so what you guys have to do is sit back and ask yourself, is God asking me to do something? And, and if it seems like really crazy, I would probably talk to somebody else too. <laughs> and, and like an elder or somebody you're accountable to. And just pray. I feel like God's asking me to do this. Step out in faith. Pray with me. Pray that this is something that should be done. And that I would be able to see it through. Because now Abraham's done this. And now he's using this, this, this sign, this circumcision. And, you know, you wonder why this. But I feel like, and I, I studied a lot of things. You know, God wanted something that would set them apart. From the pagan world. From those that, that, that they could be seen as the same. And so he wanted this. This was a sign. You know, how we look at baptism. Baptism is us proclaiming to others 
that I believe in God. I want to follow him with my life. So here's a sign that I'm buried in my sin and now I'm raised to new life in Jesus Christ. And so he took circumcision at that time and said this is going to set them apart. It was a sign of obedience. It was a sign of belonging to his covenant people. A, sign, a symbol of cutting off the old sinful self and being made new. And so God was using this, this circumcision, this sign, to establish his covenant at the time. And Abraham was faithful to be able to do it. Did it come without doubt? What we read there in chapter 17 was after this, this is asked of him, then he says, Sarah, your wife, is going to bear a child. And then what did it say? It says this 99-year-old man falls over laughing at God. I mean, that's, I mean we're talking about a man of faith. Stand, right there, God's speaking to him. And he's there laughing at him. Some people said he laughed out of joy. I don't believe that. I mean, you can come up with your own. But I, I believe the way he said this, you're telling me that a son is going to be born to a 99-year-old man. You're telling me that a 90-year-old woman is going to have a child. That's what you're telling me? And he's dying laughing. At God, that's brave. And so it doesn't come without doubt. Here's God laying out all these things. This is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to establish this great nation. Your descendants are going to be many, like the stars and the sky. How can he do that, Abraham, without you having a child of yourself? How can he establish these things without this child being born of you? And he wasn't talking about Ishmael through Hagar. He's talking about a true descendant of him and Sarah. And he tells him, you're going to do this. It's going to happen. A year from now, you are going to have a son. I mean, after all these things are said, would I sit back and say, okay, or would I laugh? Would I be able to, to really take in faith? And so you're telling a hundred-year-old man that he's about to have a child that will help spread this great nation. And he laughs. And so a big, a big thing to take from this is Abraham, who God saw his faith. God pointed him out as the one I want to establish my covenant with, was also someone who struggled with doubts. It wasn't, it wasn't that he was expected to perfectly believe in God 100% of the time, all the time, with no wavering in any way, because that's not reality. And so this is the man of faith that God wanted to use, and he's somebody that was told this by God audibly, and he goes, that's funny. That's never going to happen to a hundred-year-old man. My son and I were fishing Monday night, and it's fun to go out with him because my son likes to talk, and so we have these good conversations when no one else is around, and he brings up to me, he says, Dad. He says, sometimes I doubt if I'm going to heaven. I said, son, sometimes I do too. You know, I think... Colin, Satan plants these thoughts in our heads that make us feel like what we really believe is not true. And he said, yeah, but I, I, so I asked him, I said, why do you believe that? And then he starts talking about, well, you know, I don't read my Bible enough sometimes and I don't pray enough. I'm like, you know what the cool thing is? 
It's like, I'm glad you brought this up, Colin. The cool thing is that that when you don't read your Bible enough and you don't pray enough and you don't tell enough people about Christ, God's not going to say, Colin, you're not going to heaven now because it wasn't about you. You know, all those things we do because we love God, because we want to worship God with our lives. And so I was able to tell Colin, you know, we can have these doubts. Abraham had his doubts. But it doesn't mean that we don't have this faith in a, in a God who is able to save us and laid up heaven and eternity for us. And I see that, that look on his face where he, he gets it and he understands and he feels a little more secure in that. Um, and so for us, we may doubt. We may have doubts, some of us, more often than others. God didn't say that this life, our salvation, won't come without little wavers of doubt, little questions in our mind. Is this legit? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Is this salvation real? But God has promised us, and that's what faith is about. That's what that relationship of stepping out in belief in a God who has promised and has followed through and has given us salvation. Did that circumcision between Abraham and, and, and his descendants and all of them, did that lead him to heaven? Was that his salvation? Was that what sealed the deal? That was just a sign as part of the covenant. That, that did not save him. Turn to Romans chapter 4. We're going to read through all this because I don't want you to miss any of this. It's really cool. When you're going to be studying something in the very first book of the Bible in Genesis and then jump to the New Testament and it just brings it all together. That's really cool. So Genesis, or, uh, Romans chapter 4 verse 1. What then shall we say that Abraham our forefather discovered in this matter? If in fact Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about but not before God. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now when a man works, his, his wages are not credited to him as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the man who does not work, but trusts God who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited as righteousness. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are they whose transgressions, transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will never count against him. Is this blessedness only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? We have been saying that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. Under what circumstances was it credited? Was it after he was circumcised or before? It was not after, but before. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. So then he is the father of all who believe but have not been circumcised, in order that righteousness might be credited to them. And he is also the father of the circumcised, who not only are circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. It was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heirs of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those 
who live by law are heirs. Faith has no value and the promise is worthless because law brings wrath. And where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom... He believed the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was good as dead since he was a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. For this is, for this is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words, it was credited to him, were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. It's so cool. When we can read this in Genesis and we can study this and all of a sudden here's Romans chapter 4 and it brings it all together. Abraham didn't have salvation at circumcision. Abraham's righteousness was credited him before that. This was just a sign, a symbol of the covenant. It's the same thing for us. Works won't get us there. Colin, it doesn't matter how many people you tell, uh, tell about Jesus to and how many verses in the Bible you know or how many times you pray to God because our works don't get us there. It doesn't matter circumcised, uncircumcised. It's our heart. It's our belief. It's our faith in God. And the cool thing that we see with Abraham was that was established before he was asked to do those things. That was already established because of his belief. That's why God looked at him clear back in chapter 12 and said, I want you to take off because I see your faith in me. I see your belief. And it was credited to him as righteousness just like it is credited to us as righteousness. So you guys don't have to sit there thinking, what else do I have to do? Where else do I have to go? What else do I have to do to be able to to fulfill this. It's been fulfilled. God did it. His son took the wrath for us. And it has been credited to us as righteousness. No more works for that reason. Now what we can do is we can take these crazy requests that God tells us. If he says go take off to the mission field. Go start a Bible study. Go sell your house and move to Urbandale. We do this because we love him. Not because we need to do it to be able to get to heaven. Righteousness was already given to us. Now because we love them, we follow through with listening to those crazy requests that could be there. And we may waver in wondering if this is exactly what we're supposed to do. But it comes down to our faith and our belief in God and in Jesus Christ. And so we thank Abraham for for letting us go on this journey with him, wavering. We're going to continue to go through that. There's going to be more crazy requests come to Abraham, the craziest one yet. But we're able to look at what God did, how he used Abraham, and how he uses us. And now as we come to the table, 
we get to thank him for that righteousness that's been credited to us and say thank you that it's not about my works because I would never get there. I would never be able to get there. So we thank God for doing that for us because we are never going to be able to do it. So as we take the bread and the cup, I want you guys to truly thank God for salvation, for crediting us with righteousness and that we don't have to work to get there. And just thanking him for your salvation. Father God, we praise you that it's not about us. It's not about how hard we work, about us being perfect, about us never doubting. We thank you that, that you took care of us. And we thank you for the example in the book of Genesis that we were able to read through, Lord, and, and even bringing the words of Paul through in Romans, Lord. We just thank you so much for that, Lord. And we just praise you for salvation. And now we want to be able to be open to wherever you would take us, whatever you want us to do, no matter how crazy it might be. So I pray, Lord, that all of us could be sensitive to that and sensitive to the Holy Spirit. That could just be tapping on our our minds, trying to tell us something that he wants us to do, that you want us to do, Father. So thank you again for salvation. We love you and we praise you in your name. Amen. The challenge for you all this week, and it's not just this week, but uh, it can start today, is I want you guys to have this prayer where you would ask God, what am I supposed to be doing? What should I be stepping out in faith in? Lord, no matter how crazy it is, I want to hear what you want from me. And again, it may be nothing. There may be, it may be very small. It may be something in the house. But you need to be asking the question. You need to be ready to step out in faith. Because God calls Abraham to do all these crazy things. No matter how much he wavers, the thing that he keeps coming back to is that he does it. But he does it. He leaves. He does the circumcision and eventually does the hardest thing I could imagine. And so I want you guys to pray to God, what do you want me to be doing? No matter how crazy, I'm ready to jump. I'm ready to do what you want me to do. I'm going to put my faith in you, and I'll step forward, and I'll do this. So you guys... You're going to be praying about this for the next many years. Maybe someday that will come. You'll hear from God. This is what I want you to do. Let's sing this together and proclaim to him.